But that's why I'm so excited about this this study because um, I I had that escape or that euphoria period without you know almost with with complete almost complete resolution of my long COVID symptoms, and actually my pain never came back to the same degree. It only ever came back probably twenty percent of what it had originally been pre Paxlovid. Welcome to The Long Haulers, the official podcast of the post-COVID support community, where members connect with experts and other long haulers to learn how to heal from the effects of post-COVID. Here's your host, Munish Joshi. Welcome to the post-COVID podcast, and here we are talking to Ashtab and Muhammad of Effectivist, because recently there was some great research that had come out, um, uh, help people suffering from uh, post-COVID. So Ash, um, you've had spent more time looking at that research than I have. Uh, so tell me just um, what is it that Paxlovid is expected to do for people who suffer from long COVID? Yeah, for sure. So this is a really exciting study. And before we get started, I just want to warn our audience, I am uh, just trying to recover from some type of respiratory illness, not COVID, uh, thankfully. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, as, mm-hmm. is, as it is with long COVID, it takes longer to recover from everything. Uh, so this little virus is hanging on a little longer than I was hoping for. So this is a very exciting study, Manish. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about my personal experience and then uh, lead into why this, why it makes me so excited. Uh, so uh, back in uh, the summer of 22, 2022, okay. I developed COVID, unfortunately, for the third time. Uh, fortunately, I was able to get Paxlovid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was on a course of um, five days of treatment, which is the standard dosing and the standard mm-hmm. treatment for um, standard dosing and standard treatment for Paxlovid. And what I found was, so during the acute phase, I did get quite sick all three times I had acute COVID. I've gotten quite sick from it, unfortunately. Oh, wow. uh, so it was no surprise. I got quite sick the third time. Yeah. Uh, however, when I started taking the Paxlovid, it took me only a day or two to start um, actually swabbing negative for COVID, meaning that my viral load really okay. cut down quite quickly. And um, and then after a few days, once the acute COVID sign- symptoms had resolved, my long COVID symptoms actually started to mm-hmm. improve. And I found it, I mean, not only obviously more yeah. enjoyable, but but quite exciting. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the biggest things uh, were... You know, this extreme fatigue, um, the cognitive impairment mm-hmm. or that brain fog uh, really lightened up quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, one thing that I really noticed was body pain. So I had a lot of body pain mm-hmm. um, with with my long COVID this time around. And uh, with Paxlovid, it lightened pretty significantly. And um, and I would I would actually wake up at least once an hour and have a really difficult time sleeping, I'd have to get up, stretch, you know, do a hundred things, try to get back to sleep throughout the night because I was so uncomfortable. And with Paxlovid, it didn't wow. fully go so, away, so, but it, it, it improved significantly. Um, so just, just out of curious, so you then, get a five day treatment plan, which yeah. I assume is like five pills. So by day three, <laughs> twice a day. Okay. So, so 10, 10 pills. So, so, by day three, you're starting to feel some relief. By day four, it's feeling a lot better. And then from day two to day 12, it's you've got 10 solid days. Is that is this essentially how it felt for you? 
It, it was about, so I think in total, it was approximately 10 days for me. Yeah, which it, which is pretty profound, right? Up until probably day 10, day 11, I started probably feeling a bit worse. Or day 11, maybe I, I think I started feeling a bit worse and then kind of continued to develop my long COVID symptoms again. I think what it was is that that, um, so one of the theories of long COVID is this viral persistence. So this COVID virus does not leave the body fully. And I, I think that is supported by um, you know, or, or I'm, I'm thinking that is, it is supported by the fact that I felt so much better with, uh, Paxlovid because Paxlovid is targeted at, um, you know, cutting the viral replication, which allows the body to, um, fight off the, the virus so much better. And, and so, um, yeah, so in that way, I think it's, it's actually pretty, pretty solid theory about why long COVID exists in our body. And uh, from a research perspective, very exciting. Also, you know, a bit disappointing when I started having my symptoms come back again. Um, but that's why I'm so excited about this this study because um, I I had that escape or that euphoria period without you know almost with with complete almost complete resolution of my long COVID symptoms, and actually my pain never came back to the same degree. It only ever came back probably twenty percent of what it had originally been pre-Paxlovid. So, so if I heard that correctly, so one treatment of Paxlovid gave you initial benefits that resolved everything for about 10 days. And I have some other questions about what it felt like when you, when symptoms came back, but then thereafter pain was reduced significantly and it's been persistently lower than what it was pre-Paxlovid. Is that correct? correct? Yep. And, it, and it never returned close to the levels that it was pre-Paxlovid. Now, just out of curiosity, I have so many questions. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> at day 11, it's not like, oh, it's all back full force. It's clearly pain was less. I actually felt it wasn't back as strong, but it was maybe 30%, then 40 then 50% of what it was. And, or was it like two days later, it, everything but three symptoms were more severe. What was that like? Yeah, it, it was it was a gradual return. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of explain it with over probably a two-week period uh, maybe even oh, a little bit okay. longer. Um, I almost, I, it was felt like I just had regression after regression after regressions, meaning that I had progressive mm -hmm. and worsening symptoms day after day after day mm -hmm. after day. So I think it was both a increase in the severity and the just presence of symptoms. So the presence, the symptoms reappeared oh. and then became more severe each day, the further I got away from Paxlovid, aside from the pain, the pain, um, the pain never returned um, to near to the same yeah. degree. But I would say every other symptom um, did come back. Yes, um, yeah. which to me, uh, from a medical and and scientific perspective, to me that means okay, the treatment is working. I mean, the treatment worked for Pax for the acute COVID infection. But looking at long COVID. Uh, the way I kind of uh, look at that is that, okay, we do have probably a an effective treatment. It's just the treatment duration. So the length of time that we take that medication for, we need to increase it by. So I'm curious of this, and, and I know where, where we're going with this here is like, okay, if, if it gave you five days of relief, does a second treatment give you, sorry, 10 days of relief? Do you then say take another uh, round of, of treatments and what does that do? But is there any known effects to doing on, and I imagine this is what the research is for, is is 
prolonged use of Plaxivid, is there any challenges that it may pose? Or are there certain people who will just not be candidates for Plaxivid as a treatment? Yes. Yeah. Great question. So there's a lot of uh, what we call uh, exclusion criteria uh, for this study uh, for Paxlovid in general. Uh, so uh, the way and the medications involved in Paxlovid, um, it can impact a lot of medications that people are on. And then that can, we you either have to hold those medications typically when you prescribe Pax. Um, yeah. Or sometimes if the medications can't be stopped or depending on the medication, sometimes it just totally disqualifies people from taking Paxlovid. Um, so the study here has uh, a more significant list of exclusion criteria because it is a study. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but there are certainly, yeah, some people who won't qualify. So what are the more common things that would exclude you? Like if you're taking like blood thinners for those who have heart issues and, and, and preventative uh, uh, measures and that, is that a common thing? Is there somebody like, is there something that's fairly common that people should be aware of? I know that it's, it's hard, it, I should say it's hard, but people who have kidney issues. So, so yes and no. Um, so people with kidney issues should take a Paxlovid actually yeah, yeah. with mild to moderate kidney issues should take Paxlovid, mm-hmm. um, depending depending on the severity of um, the kidney issues mm-hmm. that that's kind of whether you qualify or, or don't qualify. Um, the yeah, blood, blood thinners are one of the um, mm-hmm. medications that, that would disqualify somebody. Um, and, yeah. and there's some other medications like uh, statins mm-hmm. or uh, medications for cholesterol, uh, but those are easy yeah. to stop. But blood thinners uh, depends on the drug, how long that hangs around, like their half-life, how long that hangs around in the system, um, and the severity of the interaction. Those are things that you'd have to weigh out as somebody who would be prescribing it. And what are the side effects or what are the the, the known side effects of Paxlovid? Yeah, so interestingly, um, the side effects of Paxlovid are very similar to the side effects of COVID. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, it, it is, it is, it's, it's kind of funny. So, um, one, so the study of Paxlovid, the original study that looked at Paxlovid mm. showed that this horrible taste in the mouth is a common, um, is a common symptom of Paxlovid. It said it occurs at a rate of, you know, maybe 6% of people who take Paxlovid, but in my experience in prescribing it, um, it's actually closer. It's, it's much higher, um, that people get this horrible taste in their mouth. Um, but is it like 50% or is it like 12%? Oh, oh, like closer to like a hundred percent. Um, a, okay. a lot of people get this horrible taste in their mouth. You know, I mean, especially for a lot of people who are high risk, who qualify for Paxlovid, in my opinion, that'd be worth it, but I always leave it up mm-hmm. to the individual whether they they think that it's worth that to them. The other things are things like um, loss of appetite, uh, diarrhea, mm-hmm. vomiting, um, you know, muscle aches and pains. A lot of that happens with COVID, depending on the severity. Uh, so it, it can, yeah. Just to be clear, those are side effects that don't affect 100 percent of the people. Correct. It's it's a subset that affects, but it is, and it's just, all less because I always percent. 
Yeah. Less than 6%. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's good to know. So yeah. roughly one out of 20 people could see some side effects. So just to put the numbers in perspective for people, and that's something that people, because yeah. I always, whenever I see those commercials on TV, you you take this stuff to help with whatever, and then you've got upset stomach diarrhea and all these 10 other things that just sound like a, what's, what's worse. But one out of 20, yeah. for me personally, that doesn't seem so bad. No. And what's interesting in the, in the mm -hmm. original study for Paxlovid, the number of people who stopped Paxlovid due to side effects versus the placebo group. So the yeah. group who received, you know, a sugar pill or, or something else instead. So, so double the number of people stopped the placebo wow. due to side effects than they did for Paxlovid. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that is uh, good evidence to show that people generally feel better on Paxlovid um, than they do battling the virus on their own. And then, and then of course, um, new evidence is showing that people who take antivirals are at a significantly reduced risk of developing long COVID mm -hmm. uh, compared to those who don't take these antivirals. So, I mean, that's, uh, especially us in the long COVID community, you know, that's pretty high motivation uh, to want to take the drug. Now, where can you get in, in we're, we're talking to people across North America and internationally. I know it's different for each jurisdiction that, but um, yeah. I know here in North America, generally Paxlovid is something you can get through your physician, through your family physician, and through some pharmacies, I assume. It's, and it just, right. those are two different, two wildly different care paths. You know, one who has a different sense of history, one who's seen how you've been prescribed things in a complex case such as COVID. Uh, so I would say, so it depends on the, it depends on your region and, mm -hmm. um, what, what, who, how you qualify for packs of it. So I know here in Canada, you know, the, and, and it, it's different per province. It can be quite strict. Some provinces are very strict um, on who can qualify for Paxlovid. So if you fall in your region, if you fall within the kind of prescribing guidelines or you fall within that inclusion criteria, you know, you have to be yeah. a certain age, um, medical mm -hmm. conditions or comorbidities, uh, specific things. If you, if you easily fall in that inclusion criteria, I would go the path of least resistance whatever's easiest. If, if presenting to mm -hmm. a pharmacy is easiest for you, go for it. Um, but if you're kind of on the fence, especially if you're somebody has long COVID, you're worried about getting, mm -hmm. you know, worse long COVID, or, um, you know, you have a lot of, uh, fears about, um, the severity of your, of your acute COVID infection. Um, and it's not a cut and dry, you know, black and white situation. I would suggest mm -hmm. going to, um, a prescriber or a um, COVID clinic or COVID assessment center, uh, something of that sort where you can have a conversation with somebody. Because I know, I know in our region here, pharmacies can supply it, but um, I would say that they're very much held to that, in, that specific inclusion criteria. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you where this is coming from. When you look at the community members who we, we talk to in that, you've got uh people who do go to the pharmacy because it takes a while to get yes. in with their doctor and they're looking for relief now. So they go to the pharmacy and the pharmacist will look right away at your history of medications and prescriptions and they can see that you're honest at. So therefore they'll look at the criteria and say, you're just disqualified there. But though you're thinking it's fast track, the better route might be to go to your doctor where they're going to be referred back to anyway. And they'll say, if yeah. you want to get on this, here's how we get you on this. So that's why I was a little bit curious of that. And that's why, um, I know if you know, if you've got a great relationship, take it, you know, that's, 
going to your to your pharmacist and stuff. Exactly. And 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 I would say go the path mm-hmm. of um, setting yourself up for success, especially if you, if you have acute COVID, whether or not you have long COVID it, um, I mean, you don't want to be spreading it everywhere and going mm-hmm. to a hundred different interactions to try to find it um, if you can help it. Uh, and also, you know, your the symptoms of COVID and long COVID are, you know, fatigue, like exhaustion, um, your body's trying to recover and fight this virus. You know, most people don't have the capacity mm-hmm. to go to a hundred different interactions uh, to try to find access to the drug. So whatever is the path of least resistance and highest success, that's what I would suggest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm also saying this because we know how many people suffer from fatigue, brain fog, and just the challenges of, of mobility yeah. for some folks, especially in more rural markets. Yeah. Uh, and that's why this, this online community is so much more beneficial. There may be other pathways that can take that are going to be aligned to their limitations. And so that's why I want to have that brought up here. Um, So just going back to the research a bit, what are the three, is there anything, obviously we just want to see if it works Mm -hmm. and it's giving the benefits and we're seeing the consistency there and the minimal effect, then what do you think is going to happen next or what's the pathway? How soon before we're given direction, assuming things go positive from hopefully it will um you know being mm-hmm. biased because of my personal experience i'm i'm thinking that they probably mm-hmm. will have a positive outcome but also appreciating that is that is a biased opinion um so the yeah. estimated um completion date of the study is january 17th so okay. of of uh, 2024 so they're going to run it for a year they're going to start okay. it on january 17th of this year um run it for a year and then give us some you know, outcomes and measures in, in a year, essentially a year from now. So it will be some time. They may, if it's really dramatic, they may mm-hmm. be releasing some information early, or if it's, you know, some really terrible outcomes, um, then they, they will uh, stop it early mm-hmm. and release, you know, why. Um, but so the things they're, they're looking for three things. So mm-hmm. the, so the study protocol is that people are taking a regular dose of Paxlovid twice a day for 15 days. So that's three times the duration or the length of time right Mm -hmm. now that we prescribe Paxlovid for acute COVID. And so there's three, what we call primary outcomes uh, when they're looking at the research. So they're looking for a change in exercise intolerance and post-exertional malaise, meaning that people are able to be more active, they have more energy, and then um, they have less of those uh, negative outcomes mm-hmm. by doing by doing more on a day. So typically, with post exertional malaise, with somebody with long COVID, um, you know they'll uh, be a little bit more active. I mean, it varies based on their baseline, but say they typically will walk to the end of their driveway to get the mail once a day. Uh, say they took a walk around their block. Um, all of a sudden, the next day, even though they feel like they could do that, the next day they'll have this or between days one and three after that, they could have this mm-hmm. severe, severe, severe symptoms, worsening a brain fog, worsening fatigue, um, sore throat, kind of anything. So looking for a change and an improvement in their ability to do exercise, and also that there's uh, that post-exertional mm-hmm. malaise or that, you know, that symptom increase in the days following the activity will be reduced or be gone. So that's the first thing they're looking for. 
The second thing is they're looking at improvement mm -hmm. in cognitive dysfunction. Uh, which is really exciting for a lot of us with long COVID because that is one of the things that a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, find most bothersome is the activity mm -hmm. intolerance and the fatigue and the cognitive dysfunction. And then the third one, which is, again, I'm very excited about this study, uh, is changing the autonomic dysfunction symptoms, which would be uh, what a lot of us experience, um, which is POTS. So that high heart rate, that low blood pressure, um, with any type of, you know, standing movement activity. Um, I know we've talked about before I'm on this high salt diet to try to keep my blood pressure up mm -hmm. a bit higher to avoid those symptoms as much. So if, if people have a significant improvement in that, that could drastically change, um, people's quality of life. So, um, we'll, we'll stay tuned uh, for it, but really, really exciting. And who knows, there might be some other outcomes that, that they're looking at mm -hmm. or some other positive effects of the Paxlovid. Um, it's know, interesting that, because that the, the last um, criteria that they're trying to, they, you, you, someone who's been suffering for six months or greater, they eventually get to this conversation saying, I've been put on a antidepressant because I've got a high mm -hmm. heart rate. I'm being told that's what it is because I've gone to the hospital. I've gotten all the ECGs done. I've had the specialist look at me. There's nothing wrong with my heart. So they just yeah. assume it's anxiety. So for them, this has got to be some exciting stuff. Um, and because they, they say I've gone on to antidepressants or I've gone to some sort of anti-anxiety medication and I don't see any change, which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that's it. And, and that really goes to show that this is, you know, I think anxiety and depression mm -hmm. can be reasonable responses to developing, to developing this, you know, debilitating, life-changing um, syndrome mm -hmm. or condition overnight, right? So, so if people are having anxiety and depression, not only do they have an entire change, their, their whole life has been flipped upside mm -hmm. down. And then on top of that, the medical system doesn't understand it. A lot of people in general, the population, sometimes their family members don't understand it and aren't supportive and mm -hmm. gaslighting their treatment, you know, so it makes sense that people are having mental health issues as a result of long COVID, um, not to mention, you know, the inflammation, the brain inflammation, you know, that also adds up that can lead to depression and anxiety. Um, but, but you're right. A lot of people are being treated for anxiety because of their heart rate when truly it's a physical, it's a physical problem, not a, not a mental health issue. Yeah. And, and that's why they're not seeing the improvements. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you're right. It, it's so exciting um, that this could really change the long COVID game. Yeah. And it's, it's quite, it's quite fascinating because it is truly for that long hauler in a way who's been suffering yes. for so long. Um, and just out of curiosity, so yeah. Paxlovid is what we've been talking about here. And is there any alternatives to uh, Paxlovid that are also in the marketplace that they may be doing research on, or is there an alternative where if it works for Paxlovid, it might work for something else? Right. So there are, there are other antivirals. There's one other antiviral mm -hmm. because of my brain fog. <laughs> I forget the name of it. Actually, I'll have well, to look that's it okay. up. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just say this and direct people to the community that we have here. When you go to the postcovidcommunity.com yes. and stuff within the community, we're going to put into uh, our 
uh, probably research and insights section right here. We'll have within the research and insights section, you'll be able to see some of the different articles that are there. And we'll post this article in here and some of the thoughts as well. So there will be a place for you to go and look and find this stuff. And where do you find the community? You go to postcovidcommunity.com. You can join now. And for anybody who's not familiar with us, it is there is a free trial that's extended to four weeks. And you can do it in U.S. or Canada. It's, it's international. Uh, there's no limitation to who we can help here. So I just want to throw that in there because I think it's important yeah. for people to realize that, um, you know, you you can go to your doctors and your doctors, there's a plethora of information that are out there. You can go to the pharmacist, there's a plethora of information mm -hmm. and they do get this information, but it's hard to siphon through that. That's what we do. And you've spent the time, yes. you've actually gone through a treatment plan here so you can report firsthand what's going on here. So the, the kind of information that we have here is not just for the people who suffer from long haul COVID, but people who actually treat. There's a lot of benefits here in the community. So there, there are, and, and that's a great point, Munish, mm -hmm. is that, Especially when, you know, I mean, we have to have empathy for people working in the healthcare systems too, right? Yeah. As, as easy as it is to be frustrated at them, there's not a lot of information out there and the information that out there is changing. It's, it's kind of coming out day after day and it's hard to stay on top of it. It's hard to know what's current. So this is a spot where we stay up to date, accurate, reliable information, and we take the work, we take the work off you. All you have to do is show up have a quick read um, and uh, and we provide some insights into these articles as well, uh, which can be helpful. And that's a great point just on the, 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 the notion or not the notion, but the understanding of the healthcare environment that people work in. Your doctors, your clinical care team, whether it's your pharmacists that, that work with you, their goal is to keep you alive and keep you safe and healthy. They see yeah. something within your biology and your history that that is concerned to them so they're only doing things to protect you and and we were on a we were doing another uh, sort of podcast where we were talking to somebody who said uh, one of these recommendations that we've described is not what they've seen in some of the research that they have but it works for some but not for all so it's very important that you get connected yes. with the right care teams who specialize in this understand it and understand you and the challenges that some of these treatment plans may have on you and that's i think is is what people need to understand this is wildly complex over 200 symptoms associated with it. you have your own personal history of challenges and you may be on medications supplements or some things that give you benefit and taking a, another medication could withdraw the benefits from other things that could cause you other discomfort so People are just looking out for your best interest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And and I think it's important to have space for being frustrated with the medical system. Like this is on, you know, it is unfair mm -hmm. and they can be doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. Yeah. Right. So to kind of give yourself space for, for both of those yeah. things. Yeah. I want to bring up the community for one other reason. And it was the timeline. Yeah, sure. It was the one year. If this is going and trucking along yeah. fine, um, actually, let me just highlight the key points here just to stay positive. If things are wildly successful here and we're seeing positive results with minimal issues, you'll probably see an early release or update on where the progress of the research is. If things are going yeah. uh, bad, you'll also see the same thing so people can understand and quickly go to tackle it. But if things are going fairly well, we want to take a look at it. To, uh, researchers want to look at this and understand who is best served by this stuff here. But it does, it can take a year. And then after a year, recommendations come out, policies change. Things don't happen overnight, unfortunately. And that's for the safety and well-being of everybody. But in the meantime, what do you do? So again, the community platform has 
tools and tips and techniques and educational paths that can help you manage the symptoms. We can't get packs of it tomorrow for anybody necessarily, unless you qualify for it. Um, but at least there's some other options out there. So people should be aware of that. Don't wait for this. There are things you could be doing in lieu of that in order to see some benefits and relief. Yeah. And I mean, there's two, another, another great, that's a great mm -hmm. point. Like another point is that like, you know, these self-management strategies, you know, I wouldn't say they can cure long COVID, but they can improve your quality of yeah. life dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. Like my my quality of life has dramatically increased uh, as a result of a lot of these self-management strategies. And that's, that's why we built this community, yeah. right? Like we want other people to be able to access that stuff. And yes, it's not a cure, but also if you could have a 200% increase in your capacity, right? Like go for it. And, and, and that's the information that we can provide. And you, you know, with the community members we've interacted with, we are, my motto is live life again. That's what we're trying to help you do. We have yes. teachers in there. Yeah. We have doctors and we have a variety of other, sorry, I should say teachers, medical professionals, a variety of other people who are within the community who suffer from this. And so good to hear from mm -hmm. some people who say, and actually even the students, the, is the one person that comes to mind in particular who said to us, I have, have had struggled in school. I'm having problems focusing, I'm having problems with this, but since they've made done some of these self tutorials and that they've, they've gotten a lot further. They've gone to support groups. They've gone to other things. They've refined what they need to do that they're able to be functional and happy again with the path that they're on. And then the people who are at work, they're saying I can work more hours and I don't come home as drained. So yeah. there's those benefits and they're moving slowly in the right direction. But as they learn a bit more about themselves, uh, customize their, their treatment plan, then things get better and better. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and you're not alone, mm -hmm. right? There's a community there. There's other people who are in the same boat in the same situation. Uh, long COVID can be very isolating and having a community where there's some guidance, some support, new research, other people in the same boat. Um, yeah, I think, I think that helps a lot with, you know, feelings, feelings of isolation and hopelessness as well. So feeling a sense of connectedness and hope. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. To wrap this up a bit. And, you know, again, we were talking mm -hmm. about packs of it and the research that's out there that, and it's exciting times here because you firsthand have seen the benefits of being on packs of it for somebody who's suffering from long COVID. And now that they're doing the research and we're seeing, and we're hopefully going to see that sort of benefit being applied or, or learn enough to make sure that this treatment plan can be longer lasting. That's going to be fantastic. But in lieu of that, there's three things that this research was targeting. That was fatigue brain fog and um, I'm saying POTS. The autonomic, autonomic. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the POTS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the autonomic so function. In lieu yes. of, of not having a pill to to work with here, a um, couple of tips. I'll, I'll share a couple of the ones that, that I know and that's been described here. Um, but um, fatigue, uh, it's, uh, you know, managing your energy intake is understanding where your limits are and don't go to break them. Don't work to the ceiling, work to a comfortable zone in between and then slowly incremental get up there. If there's food that you can have on hand, um, handful of snacks that can help boost your energy. Um, the second thing was the brain fog that, and that is really keeping the mind clear using lists, using technology to your advantage, use your phone. There's, oh, there's yeah. auto notes in there. There's a lot of things you can do to help manage that. So you don't have to have as much mental stress and worry about it all. And stress takes away from your mental capacity. So you got to manage stress and the community and connecting really helps. The third thing that is for the bots and the, and that's not an area that I have uh, no familiarity with. So, so I'll lean on you Ash here, but you've said in, in your treatment uh, plan, there is you have to increase your sodium intake. 
and salt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is increasing the salt and water intake is usually the first uh, compression therapy. So compression tights, mm-hmm. ideally that go all the way up like a like a pair of tights, <laughs> like go right up to the abdomen because that compression from the abdomen actually contributes quite a bit. Uh, so if you have knee high stock, if you have pots and you have knee high stockings, you know, get the ones that for go, the ladies. Go so I guess that's, that's what we'd say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, and um that and 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 one thing to keep in mind also is that a high salt diet mm-hmm. uh can pull calcium and leach calcium from your bones. Okay. So if you are on a high salt diet, make sure you talk to your healthcare provider about starting a calcium supplement, um, you know, calcium carbonate or something similar, so that uh you you know prevent you know osteoporosis or or whatever down the line so that's something to you know also a little tidbit of information uh to keep in mind it's very very helpful and a tip that i hadn't heard before but just out of curiosity with the tights and the leggings it's very easy for um leggings or for us wear long johns or something is there what can i do for and do they make that i don't even know if they make a compression stuff in there yeah grade. so okay. yeah. so it's compression so mm-hmm. it's medical grade mm-hmm. compression so there's different degrees of compression uh so and and to do that you have to be assessed to make sure that your your arteries and veins are safe they can still send the blood flow up and down um even if you're compressed uh so you know you you have to you should get assessed Mm -hmm. um to make sure that you're you qualify and it's safe for you to do it i mean we don't want somebody's foot turning turning uh black or falling off (laughs) because they're not getting enough blood flow to it uh but yeah, but uh, it's quite a graphic image. But um, yeah, so compression therapy. So it, it wouldn't just be a pair of, you know, like leggings that you have. It would be a pair of compression stockings. Um, and and so anybody can get those. You can get them at, for your knee, thigh, or, or waist height. Um, you know, what I usually tell people is mm. get the thing that you'll be most compliant with. So if you... Although the waist high ones are mm-hmm. best, if you're not going to wear that reliably, it's no good to you. So, so get a pair if you think that you'll be more reliable with the thigh high or the knee high ones, and you can wear that day in day out. Then, then go with that. If you want to get the maximum benefits that you can, and um, you'll be compliant with it, and you'll do it kind of reliably, mm-hmm. then get the the waist high ones, or or do a combo. And, this and is, you know, there's, there's always, this always fascinating yeah. because there's so much detail here that I find interesting. Number one, uh, I didn't know that you would need to talk to somebody about um, getting some support for thigh highs and I'm sorry, thigh highs for compressions. That, but it makes sense, you know, we're, we're not all built the same. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. And we want to make sure that if we're doing an intervention that we're uh, staying safe mm-hmm. and, and not causing more harm than good. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, this is helpful. So, so those are some, some tips. Yeah. Those are some tips while we wait for this really exciting Paxlovid and long COVID study. Uh, those are some tips on, um, on how to work within those symptoms and try to optimize your ability to function mm-hmm. and perform despite those symptoms uh, while we wait for some exciting studies to come out. Well, 
Thank you, Ash Daba Muhammad, director, uh, medical director at RT Medical. And I, I'm going to end this off with, with just a couple of little asks that we have. We hope that you share this um, podcast with friends and family. We think it's very helpful and we hope that you see that too. And add your comments below and add your comments even in our community as well. And again, our community is postcovidcommunity.com and we look forward to seeing you there and hopefully we can see you live life again. Thanks, Munish. Thanks, everyone, for joining. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Long Haulers, the official podcast of the post-COVID support community. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that it'll help you take a step toward leading a healthier, happier, and more productive life. Take charge of your recovery at postcovidcommunity.com, where you can learn more about membership benefits and join our newsletter to get the latest information and tips from our network of specialized healthcare professionals. And don't forget to follow us on YouTube and your favorite social platforms at Long Hauler Life. Please share this episode with other long haulers in need of assistance. Take care.